Friends, I want to invite you to take your Bible now and open to the book of Second Chronicles. This morning I'll be reading from chapter 16. Second Chronicles, chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. This is what Holy Scripture says. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might permit no one to go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, There is a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending to you silver and gold. Go, break your covenant with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they conquered Ijon, Dan, abel Maim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And when Baasha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber, with which Baasha has been building, and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. The acts of Asa from first to last, are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut for himself in the city of David, they laid him on the beer that, he, that had been filled with various kinds of spices prepared by the perfumer's art, and they made a very great fire in his honor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, please keep your Bible open there to Second uh, Chronicles 16. My mother, who is uh, here, by the way, that'll be good news once you hear what I'm about to tell you about my mother. Uh, When she was a very young woman and a young mom, stepped outside of her second-story apartment onto a wooden deck, and uh, her leg immediately fell through. There was rotten wood there, and uh, she was left dangling. Thankfully, um, she was rescued, (laughs) but uh, there was bad wood. And so the very thing that she was relying on failed her. Maybe you've uh, 
Maybe you've been uh, planning a big move or something like that, and you arrange with a friend, kind of a burly friend with a burly truck, and you like plan it weeks and weeks in advance, and you get him nailed down. He's going to come, and he is going to serve you in this capacity, and the day of the move comes, the guy you're relying on, no shows. Things like planks in a deck and people that are going to help you move, they can fail you. They can be unreliable. But God is always reliable. And you can always rely on him. Now that uh, lockdowns are easing, freedoms are returning, I think there's something we need to talk about. I'm a little bit concerned that we might begin to think that this is the time to relax rather than rely. It's the time to kick back rather than to lean in. It's the time to ease off instead of turn on our faith and our dependence on God. So my goal here this morning as we gather as one church is to call on you, church, to up your reliance on God. To rely on God more now than ever before. Whether you're a Christian yet or not, I want you to rely on God. Whether you got baptized today or you got baptized like me 40 years ago. I couldn't believe that when I did the math. Uh, I want you to rely on God. And I plan to call you to this from the life of this man, King Asa. Now he is one of Judah's many, many kings. But in his life, we see a beautiful example of what can happen when you rely on God and what, ha what may happen when you don't rely on God. So come with me into the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. These are the days of uh, post Exodus. These are the days when uh, we're done with Moses, we're done with Joshua coming into the land, Saul's been king, and then you remember that there was a man named David who was anointed king. And it was said of that man David, he was a man after God's own heart. That's 1 Samuel 13, 14. He was a man after God's own heart. But along comes David's son Solomon to replace David. And it was said of Solomon in 1 Kings 11, verse 4, his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And then Solomon's son, after Solomon's 40-year reign, his son Rehoboam takes over. And it was said of Rehoboam, 2 Chronicles 12, 14, that he did evil. He did not set his heart to seek the Lord. And then Rehoboam's son, Abijam, he gets into power. 1 Kings 15.3, he walked in all the sins that his father did before him. His heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. And then comes our king, King Asa, Abijam's son. So now we are 60 years after the death of David. And Asa is the first king after David, of whom it is said, this is chapter 14 in Second Chronicles, verse 2, 
Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. In fact, if you turn ahead to chapter 15 in 2 Chronicles, in verse 7, you'll read this. The heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. And the author of 1 Kings, which is kind of like the companion volume to the Chronicles, uh, he made it even more explicit when he said in 1 Kings 15, 14, the heart of Asa was wholly true to the Lord all his days. Those are three very remarkable statements when you consider the chapter that Pastor Steve just read for us. How, How is it that a man whose heart is wholly true to the Lord all his days ends up relying on a foreign superpower rather than the almighty power of God himself? How does a man whose heart was wholly true to the Lord all his days end up taking one of the Lord's prophets and putting him in prison for speaking the truth to him? That's a difficult question. It's a question we'll need to answer before we're done here. But here's what we will see in the life of this man, one man, King Asa. A person who relies on God, rejects religious formalism, has none of that hypocrisy, acts in bold dependence upon God, and obeys God's preached word. In the same king, we will see a person who does not rely on God, a person who forgets to rely on God, settles for politics rather than miracles, leans on what he can see rather than the great unseen, and rejects God's preached word. So let me survey the life of this king with you and show you the remarkable difference between relying on God and relying on anything or anyone else. So first of all this, a little outline in your song sheet if you want it, a person who relies on God rejects religious formalism. So Asa comes to the throne after pretty much 30 years of religious decline in Judah. His daddy, his granddaddy, none of them were godly men. None of them were following the Lord. They did not teach him the ways of the Lord. But when Asa takes his oath of office, he spends the first 10 years of his reign pulling Israel back to the true worship of Yahweh again. He removed all the means of false worship. He got rid of all the idols. This is chapter 14, verse 3. He took away the foreign altars, the high places, broke down the pillars, and cut down the asherim. He renews covenant loyalty. He calls Israel to seek Yahweh alone. This is chapter 14, verse 4. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, to keep the law and the commandment. And as per that covenant, this resulted in blessing. Chapter 14, verse 7. Asa says, the land is still ours because we have sought the Lord, our God. We have sought him and he has given us peace on every side. It always requires reformation and renewal to conquer religious formalism. The old has to be stamped out and replaced with the older. The temple had been there in Jerusalem. All those years, 
But the, the worship of Yahweh had been abandoned. The temple was dusty. It wasn't in use. Syncretism ruled the day, meaning you took a little bit of this God and a little bit of that God, a little bit of Yahweh, a little bit of Baal, and you just sort of formed whatever religion you felt like. Reformation and renewal were needed in Israel individually, and they were needed corporately, which is not unlike today. Canada is not a theocracy. So we do not enforce religious laws or demand particular religious allegiances the way a king of Israel was supposed to do. But as Christians, we do proclaim Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. And as such, we preach, we call, we implore people to worship Christ alone since Jesus asserts that he is the world's only Savior. And men and women who rely on God are unafraid to make that announcement to the world, even when it results in the scorn of the world. And so our faithfulness to evangelize is often an indicator of how much reformation and renewal has taken place in our own hearts. A person who relies on God, first of all, rejects religious formalism, secondly, acts in bold dependence. This is really the heart of the Asa story right here. The religious revival of the first 10 years of his reign was great, but just when it seemed like everything was going along swimmingly, God allows this massive army, the biggest army in the Bible by my mark, to descend on Israel. It's the million-man army of the Ethiopians and the Libyans. A million soldiers. 2 Chronicles 14.9, Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots and came as far as Marashah. And so that army's marching toward Asa and he starts to do the math. I've got about a half million guys in my army. Uh, this guy has a million guys in his army. That means I'm outnumbered two to one. Military warfare in that day and age is basically, it's a war of attrition. <laughs> He does the math. He understands, I don't stand a chance. But look at what Asa does. Chapter 14, verse 11. This may be one of the most beautiful verses in your Bible. And Asa cried to Yahweh, L-O-R-D, all caps, that's the proper name of God, Yahweh. He cried to Yahweh, his God, O Yahweh, there's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Yahweh our God, for we, what does it say? We rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Yahweh, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. I really think that's one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. It encapsulates in one verse what it means to rely on God. The, the word, English word rely simply means to lean against something. I would not rely on any of the tents around you at the moment with the wind and having helped construct them, their frailty. But you may want to rely on one of the trees. You could lean against a tree. You're relying on the tree to hold you up. To rely on something is to have a, a trust or belief that that object, in that object, to the point that if the object fails, you're in really big trouble. Like the wood of a second-story deck. If it fails, you're in trouble. Asa prayed, 
Yahweh, we rely on you. We lean against you. We depend upon you. You alone. If you fail us, we're going to die. Asa acknowledges his weakness. We are weak. And then he acknowledges God's power. God, you are mighty. And then he banks all their hope for survival on who? On God himself. How do you know if you really rely on God? Well, when the trials and temptations knock on your door, you don't trust in anything or anyone else. And you do cry out to the Lord. Do you rely on God? Are you relying on the Lord? Asa is showing you here, 2 Chronicles 14, 11, what real relying on God looks like. Here's a third trait of those who rely on God. Those who rely on God reject religious formalism. They act in bold dependence. Then they obey the preached word. God brings about a great deliverance. They, the, the army, the million-man army is vanquished, conquered. It's impossible. It happens. God brings about that great delivery. He's very clear. This delivery is from me. And as far as we know, the very first time Asa hears anything directly from God comes after that victory. After the victory against the million-man army. And God provides the escape as Asa relies on God, and then God sends this direct message to Asa. So this is chapter 15. Look at it, verse 1. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oved. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, Yahweh is with you while you are with him. He will be found by you. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. What's God's message to Asa? Good job relying on me. Now keep relying on me. If you rely on me, I'll be there for you. Just like when the million-man army came and I was there for you, just rely on me and every time, I will be there for you. And for the next five years, that is exactly what Asa does. He removes all that is left of other religions. That's what a good king does. Chapter 15, verse 8. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Aved, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin. Then he restored appropriate worship. Chapter 15, verse 8, he repaired the altar. Sacrifices can be made again. Then he gathers the saints. He gathers the church for worship. Uh, verse 9 uh, of chapter 15, uh, the numbers that had deserted from Israel, when they saw that the Lord was with them, they all came down and they sacrificed to the Lord from the spoil. People came from the, the side nation of Israel, the people from Judah, all the people who really loved Yahweh, they all just came and worshiped God. He enacted a covenant renewal ceremony. Chapter 15, verse 12, they entered into a covenant to seek Yahweh, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. And amazingly, he put an end to nepotism. You know what nepotism is? That horrible practice of demanding one thing from everybody else, but giving a pass to your family members because they're family members. Might have happened to you in your job or something. But not, not King Asa. Verse 16, even Maaka, his mother, King Asa removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it in the brook Kidron. 
He's taking care of business. Here is a man who is relying on God with all his heart. He's looking at his own mother or perhaps grandmother and saying, you, we're not going to have that here. Sorry, mom. And he gets rid of it, rid of her idol. He cleans house. I want you to see that relying on God is not just some internal, mushy, emotional feeling. I think I'm relying on God. No, if you're really relying on God, it will show in what you do and in what you do not do. It will show in your attendance and your your participation, your involvement in serving in your local church. It'll show in whether you really pray for your fellow church members or not. It'll show in what you're willing to risk in order to stay true to God. This man Asa gives you a remarkable picture of what it looks like to live for years and years and years relying on God. But the best of men are only men at best. Even David, years ago, David, the great King David, a man after God's own heart, had his failings. It would take the greater David, our Lord Jesus, to lead a life of perfect reliance on the Father. And when the three disciples saw him, the transfiguration, and saw his unmediated glory, they remarked that his clothes were whiter than any launderer on earth could make them. It was an image, a picture. There was no imperfection in Jesus. But our robes, our robes are full of stains, Our robes are all marked up, and so is Asa's. And that takes us to the other side of Asa's life, a person who forgets to rely on God. A person who forgets to rely on God settles for politics instead of miracles. This gets us into the chapter that Pastor Steve read for us, chapter 16. The defining moment of the second half of Asa's reign is is here, uh, the king of Israel, the neighboring nation of Israel, Baasha, that king. He sets up what really is an economic blockade about five miles from Jerusalem. So Israel and Jerusalem, Judah, sorry, Jerusalem is in Judah, and Israel is the side nation. Israel sends a blockade here, so it's, it's stopping the trade route. Imagine for a moment the Americans moving a big military presence into Mississauga that shut down the 401, the 403, the QEW, and even the 407. It's not an outright declaration of war, but it's pretty close to it. And then imagine our prime minister calls up Russia And he bribes Russia, saying, if you will launch an attack against Miami, you can have Newfoundland. And the Russians say, cool, we'll do that. And so Russia attacks Miami. And the Americans in Mississauga are like, well, we can't be here. we got to go defend Miami. So they all leave to go and defend Miami. And we think, whew, glad that's over with. Goodbye, Newfoundland. Well, that's essentially what Asa does here. Asa, the king of Judah, bribes Syria, another nation, to attack the northern part of Israel. So Judah says, we're getting it really bad down here. 
So we're going to pay you off to attack them up here. And that's exact. his plan works perfectly because once the attack comes, Israel, Baasha, he's got to take his forces and go up to the north to defend his country up there. And everybody looks at King Asa and says, man, brilliant. What leadership, what statecraft. But how unlike what Asa did when the million man army showed up. Back then, he relied on God. But here with Baasha and Israel, which is really a lesser threat than the million-man army, he's relying on bribes. He's relying on getting a king to break covenant. Bribes and covenant breaking are things that God hates. He never even acknowledges the Lord this time. He just gives away the Lord's stuff, the, the treasures of the house of the Lord. He tells Ben-Hadad of Syria, this is verse 3, Behold, I'm sending to you silver and gold. Go, break your covenant with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. That's exactly what happened. And we're asking the question, hey Asa, what happened to chapter 14, verse 11? Help us, O Yahweh, our God, for we rely on you. There is none of that here. Again, by, by outward appearances, Asa's ploy worked Syria attacks Israel, Judah was saved. But brothers and sisters, success can be a great cover for unfaithfulness. What we conclude to be positive outcomes may only be trophies of our self-reliance. And this can be equally true in the church of Jesus as well. How many big names with, or big churches or big ministries have we watched exposed as frauds, fakes, and felons even in the last year? So many Christian success stories have been exposed in my short lifetime. There was no relying on God there. There was no real faith there. There was no deep dependence on the Almighty there. May that never be said of here. May it never be said of us. May it never be said of Grace Fellowship Church. May it never be said of a single member of this church. What looks to other people's eyes like success can be merely a cloaking device of our arrogant autonomy. May God spare us from that spiritual cancer. Asa went to bed that night looking like a brilliant politician. Because he was. And that's not a compliment. A person who forgets to rely on God settles for politics instead of miracles. Secondly, a person who forgets to rely on God leans on what he can see, not the great unseen. Just, just listen again to chapter 14, verse 11. Asa cried to Yahweh as God. This is when the million-man army is coming. Oh, Yahweh, there's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Great truth. Help us, O Yahweh, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we've come against this multitude. O Yahweh, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. Awesome prayer. Now look at chapter 16. Listen listen to what the prophet had to say to Asa after he bribed the Syrians to rescue him from Israel. 
Listen for that word rely again. Chapter 16, verse 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, a prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on Yahweh your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Remember? Million? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. Look at this, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. If you underline things in your Bible, I would underline that because it was true in Asa's day and it's true in this day. This is just a statement about what God is like. His eyes are running to and fro over the whole earth looking for those whose heart is loyal to him so that he might support them. Asa's folly was that he was relying on the wrong person. Almighty God had already proven to him, if you seek me, you will find me. All Asa had to do was lean. His God was always only one prayer away. But somewhere, somewhere along the line, Asa began to trust and lean the wrong direction. He started to rely on Asa more than he relied on God. Can you identify? How about you? Are you leaning the right way? Who are you relying on? Who are you really depending on? Is it the Lord? Here's a good test to figure out the real answer to that question. How do you respond to the preached word. A person who forgets to rely on God rejects the preached word. If, if the Bible makes you angry, you are almost certainly not relying on God. Second Chronicles 16, verse 10. Then Asa was angry with the seer, with the prophet, and put him in the stocks in prison, the worst part of the prison. For he was in a rage of him because of this. What this? Because the prophet came and told him the truth. And Asa afflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. Oh, Asa. Instead of acting on and obeying what the prophet said, like he did earlier with the prophet Azariah, Asa takes this new prophet, Hanani, and he throws him into prison. And he appears to then persecute anybody who comes to Hanani's defense. Friend, if God's word comes at you and corrects you, the worst thing you can do is shoot the messenger. And I'm not just saying that because I happen to be one of the messengers. I'm saying this for the good of your soul. If the best answer you have for the conviction of sin is to get mad at the preacher, whoever that preacher is, then you have a major, major problem with pride. When the needle of conviction pricks the conscience, those who rely on the Lord say, Lord, is it me? But they don't say that like the traitor Judas. God despises all forms of religious hypocrisy. 
And so one of the very best things you will learn to do in life is to keep your accounts short with the Lord and respond with faith to anything he says. You read it, you do it. That's how a Christian lives. I read it in the Bible, I do it. This man Asa, who had done so much good for his nation, so much for the glory of God, ends so poorly. Three years. It was three years after imprisoning the prophet. Asa is still refusing to turn back to God. In verse 12 of chapter 16, it says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek Yahweh, but sought help from physicians. Can I just say, you need to read that verse in its context. Some foolish, very foolish cults turn here and claim that going to a doctor is a lack of faith. That's not the issue here at all. The issue in Asa's life was where his ultimate hope rested. Would he humble himself? And rely on his God ultimately, as he consulted with his doctors locally? Please go to the doctor and pray as you do. Sadly, for, for all we know, Ace's life ended in a, in a kind of spiritual pout, sore feet, wounded heart, unwilling to humble himself to seek the Lord. And two years later, he was dead. And yet somehow, this man woke up from his death in glory. How do we know that? 1 Kings 15, 14, the heart of Asa was wholly true to the Lord all his days. And when you read that, you should be asking, how can both be true? How can a man be wholly true to the Lord, but end his life in pouty self-reliance? Beloved, the answer to that question is found in your bathroom mirror. How will the inconsistent, self-reliant you ever get to glory? Not by your perfect relying on God. There, there is only one hope for all of us. Another king came and lived a perfect life on your behalf. And in that life, every nanosecond of that life was spent completely relying on his father on our behalf. His life was the perfection of reliance. He sought the Lord all his days, all his minutes, all his seconds. So when King Jesus died in our place, he died as the perfect sacrifice. That is why you must simply give up trying to accumulate a life of so-called positive outcomes with which to impress God. He sees all the hideous self-reliance behind that. He sees your arrogance. He sees your pride. He sees your thinking that you can bribe him like Asa tried to bribe Ben-Hadad. Sorry, God does not accept bribes. He only accepts perfect people of which there is and only will ever be one, the Lord Jesus. 
Which means the only way for you to be accepted by God is to be so identified with Jesus that you are, what the Bible says, one with Christ. So here is what you really need to do. You need to rely on Jesus, to trust in him to the point that if Jesus fails you, you will most certainly go to hell. That's the level of trust. That's the level of reliance. It's, it's taking everything else that you think you might want to trust in and throwing it behind you. It's taking a step out onto the second story back deck and believing the wood is going to hold. It's Jesus is your friend with the truck. You believe he's going to show up in the time of need. If he fails you, you are toast. Rely on the reliable one. Depend on him for everything, not just for the start of your Christian life, but for all of your Christian life. When you turn to Christ in faith, God will never look at you again as unreliable, even when you are. He will see you like he saw King Asa through Christ, with a heart wholly true to him. Jesus Christ relied on God perfectly for us. Asa's hope was a Jesus yet to be born. Our hope is a Jesus already come. But you can't rely on him day to day until you've relied on him once for all to save you from your sins. Have you done that? This is the great, great exchange. Jesus gives to us his perfect life of total reliance on the Father. And Jesus takes to himself our sin-stained, unreliable life. And in so doing, he brings the unreliable to his reliable Father forever and ever because of his perfect work. And once he has done this, beloved, rely on him every day. Every day. He is always, ever, only one prayer away. So let's look to him now. Oh God, make us a church that relies on you truly and completely and wholly without wavering. Banish self-reliance from us. Well, God, if we've been sitting here and our consciences have been pricked, let us do business with you now as we sing. Make things right. And leave this place today as those wholly relying on our God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.